0: We're going to jump into part three of Through the Waters. And today we're going to talk about the time when the Israelites went through the Jordan River. And so if you remember in the first week, we talked about creation when, when God told the waters where to go. And then last week we talked about the Red Sea crossing when, when the sea divided and they walked through on dry land. And then, and then God had victory over Pharaoh and all the Egyptians who tried to cross behind them. Right, And so kind of the underlying themes when the first week when we talked about creation was that we can't do anything without God's word. It's, it's only because God's word and when he speaks that things happen. The very life and breath in our lungs has to be built on the word of God. Right. And so we got to get God's word in our life and really trust God's word. And then last week we talked about how deliverance is the stepping stone to surrender. The Israelites crossing the Red Sea wasn't the end of their journey. It wasn't this. It was only the beginning. It was the beginning of a a chance to say yes to God throughout the desert and into the promised land. And then today we're going to talk about how that surrender that that God was calling them to really leads to purpose. We're going to talk about stepping into your purpose, crossing over into the promised land just like they did. And we're going to see that it will happen in God's timing, not yours or mine. And this is really tough for us sometimes. That, that God taking us into his purpose and taking us sometimes through the wilderness and taking us through the trials and the tribulations of life, a lot of times we just want to buzz through. We want to get through as fast as possible. We're like, God, no more discomfort. Can I get an amen? But we're going to see that sometimes we got to wait a little bit. we got to wait. There's no shortcuts into God's plan for your life. There's no shortcuts towards character. There's no shortcuts towards God's best for you and for me. And so it's so interesting to me as we look at all these these events that have to do with water in Scripture. It's so interesting to me that there was a water crossing when they left Egypt, when they crossed the Red Sea. And then there's another water crossing when they entered the promised land. And so just to give a little context and a little picture of of the story in case you're not familiar with it, the Israelites had been in slavery in Egypt for 430 years and then God took them out through the leadership of Moses and they crossed the Red Sea. Then then they, they spent 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. And why? Because of their hard hearts, because of their disobedience, because of their lack of trust and faith in God. And I don't know about you and me, but that's a picture of my own life that a lot of times from the moment I get saved, you know, sometimes that doesn't mean I have my act together yet. Can I get an amen? And so maybe if you've heard about God, if maybe God's done something in your life in the past, but you've had a lot of water under the bridge and a lot of struggles since then, hey, you're in really good company with the Israelites today. Because just because God took them through this deliverance experience in the Red Sea didn't mean they had everything all figured out. Even Moses. Their leader, their fearless leader, made some mistakes in the wilderness. And so God led the Israelites out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses himself, they get to the edge of the Jordan River. They get get to the end where they're about to cross. And and God had told Moses, you're not going to go in the promised land. You're not going to go in the promised land because there was a time in the wilderness when Moses directly disobeyed God's orders. And so God himself buried Moses and God instituted a new leader for the Israelites named Joshua. And it's time for God's people to actually step into the promised land. And so at the beginning of Joshua in chapter one, God has this conversation with Joshua. And if, and if you know the story, Joshua, he and Caleb were two of the 12 spies that had been sent in the, into the promised land to kind of scout things out. And they were the only two spies that came back with a good report saying that, hey man, the land is flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing, just like God said, but, and we can take it. We've got this. God's gonna deliver uh, this land to us and and, and help us to conquer the the enemies there. But the other 10 spies came back and said, you know, there's giants and there's no way, and, and we're all gonna die, right? But Joshua trusted God. He was one of these two spies that had faith. And I know you've heard me say before, like it talks about in Hebrews 11, that it's impossible to please God without faith. And so Joshua is this man full of faith. He's a leader. He's he's willing to do what no one else is doing if it means doing the right thing. And so the first thing that we see in this story of, of God taking the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the promised land. The first thing that we see is that God might call me, God might call you to go first. God might call you to go first. Going first can be scary. Going first can be intimidating. Maybe you were in class, you know, as a youngster and you're giving presentations and, and it's time to, it's the presentation day and everybody's gonna have to talk, but does anyone wanna go first? No. Right? And the teacher calls on your name, and you just kind of die inside. You remember that feeling? It's like, oh, man, I have to be the one to break the ice. And and maybe you cry out to the teacher, send anyone, just not me. Right? No. But God could call you to go first, He could. So last week we see that God told the Israelites just stand still and just watch what God's gonna do, right? Just stand still, calm down. I love that, that um, post that Natalie made on, on our Facebook page this last week and just and said, just be calm, stand still, watch God work. And so there's times when, when, when that is all we have to do. We just gotta watch and, and just, just bask in the greatness of our God and, and how good he is. Man, he's gonna do amazing things in our life and we don't have to do a thing. And then there's other times when God looks you straight in the eye and he says, be strong and courageous. And so this week, instead of standing still and and just watching God work, God's looking at Joshua and saying, be strong and courageous. I'm going to give this land to you. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. And you see, we see people going on secret reconnaissance missions and, and we see Joshua leading strong. Let's check it out. Joshua 1, 9 through 11. God says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, Go through the camp and tell the people to get get their provisions ready. In three days you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land uh, the Lord your God is giving you. Now this had to be. Tough, because if you really think about it, 430 years of slavery, 40 years in the wilderness, all kinds of ups and downs. And Joshua has to be the guy to go and say, the time is finally here. Pack your things in three days. It's going to happen. So Joshua steps up and he speaks this vision to the Israelites that God had given him. Right? Because someone had to have, you know, just the, the foresight. Somebody had to be in tune to what God was doing. Somebody had to go First, someone always has to lead the way. Someone has to speak life into the dark place. And here's what I know just from the little bit of leadership experience that I have. And man, I'm still learning and I still make mistakes all the time. But anytime a leader speaks vision, and we see this in scripture all over the place, and, and we don't see a lot of talk back here, maybe. Maybe at this point, the the Israelites were just going along, but maybe there were doubters. Because I know that anytime a leader speaks vision and and says, hey, this is what's gonna happen, here's where we're going, there's doubters, there's haters. And I guarantee you that even though they had seen such amazing things before, I guarantee you there were people in the camp that didn't believe. I guarantee you there were people that, that maybe said, okay, Joshua, Okay, we'll see. Because after 40 years since the last Red Sea crossing, they just kind of lost a little hope. And maybe that's a picture of your life today. But hey, God's looking you straight in the eye. Be strong and courageous. I'm still leading you where, where I wanted to take you. We're still headed there. And so in Joshua 2, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So think about this. Joshua was a spy. He was one of the 12. And now he's sending the spies. And at this time, later on in the passage, it tells us that the river was flooded. It was harvest season and and the river was flooded and it was overflowing its banks. And so normally the river would have been about 90 to 100 feet wide. It it would have normally been 3 to 10 feet deep. But now, man, it's way bigger, way wider, rushing water. It's very, very turbulent. It's much deeper. But these two spies somehow get across the river. Somehow, I don't know if they swam, I don't know if they built a canoe, it's not clear. I don't know if they took a a Ford somewhere, which meant they would have had to go a long way. I don't know, it doesn't tell us. But what I do know is that someone had to go first. Someone had to check it out. Now in 1854, back in 1854, some expert swimmer, I don't know who it was, I'm just reading from history, was unable to make it across the river near Jericho at this time of year because the river was too wide and the current was too strong. But two guys rose to the challenge and said, Hey, I'll do it. And they went over to Jericho. They checked it out. You know, they had the encounter with Rahab and and they come back. But what does this tell us? Someone's got to go first. Someone needs to have a little vision. Somebody needs to have a little foresight. Somebody needs to be able to see through the darkness, through the flood stage, through all the problems, and say, God is going to help us. There's always a cost to following Jesus. And you just might be the person that God calls to go first. Are you open to it? Are you ready? The second thing that we see in this story, this amazing, miraculous story, is that I need and you need to praise God before the breakthrough. I need to praise him. I need to worship him. I need to seek his presence. I need to put his presence before me before he comes through for me. And so we see this depicted in Joshua 3, 2 through 4. It says three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests, who were the Levitical priests? They were the the worship leaders. They were the ones that, that, that offered the sacrifices. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. And then in verse six, it says, in the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. So why is this so so significant? Because the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was the physical representation of God's presence. And so God told Joshua that the presence of God was going to go first, that the worship of God was going to happen long before the breakthrough. This was a physical symbol that God's presence is the only thing that is going to lead you from where you are to where God wants you to be, right? Because so much of the time we try, to, we try to run ahead of God. We try to do it our own way. We try to get there on our own strength, our own power. But God is saying through this very physical symbol that no, the presence of God has got to go before you. You've got to praise God before you ever see the miracle. This is the model. You see, it's only because of God that they had the option of a promised land. He was the one that made the promise. He was the one that was going to deliver it into their hands. And so it was just this very physical way that they were saying, we are putting God first. Church, listen. Spiritual victories, whatever kind of spiritual victory you're looking for in your life, Whatever it is, whether there's a sin that you just are yet to conquer, whether there is a, uh, you know, just a financial hardship in your family, whether there's just a leadership challenge that you don't know how to face, whether there's just this inner struggle and you need a spiritual victory in your life, spiritual victories are preceded by worship, prayer, and thanksgiving. Listen, who wants to go somewhere that only God can take them? I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I want to go somewhere. What does it say? Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Listen, if you want to go somewhere that only God can take you, if you want that exceedingly, abundantly, greater than you can even ask or imagine kind of life that God has for you, then the answer is to let God's presence go before you. If you want to go somewhere you've never been and you don't know the way, then I need to depend on God's leadership. Too many times we don't really believe that only God can get us there. Have you ever been there? You're like, oh, I just need to get better. Man, I fall into this, into this trap a time or a thousand. I just, I, I I'm gonna work through it. My, uh, a good friend of mine back in college, I used to valet park cars. And um, it was an all-valet parking garage. And, and um, hey, if you've ever seen a commercial about a valet and how they drive cars, uh, I hate to break it to you, but it's all true. <laughs> It's all true, and so uh, we would park six hundred or more cars a day, and we would run all day long. I stayed in shape through college because I valet parked. I mean, we were just sprinting and driving fast, and um, you know it was like Fast and Furious indoors. It was awesome, and so uh, but but you know we would sometimes have grumpy customers, and 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 for whatever reason. You know, and not that I was mean, but I, I, one of my one of my coworkers just gave me the nickname bulldog, right? And you know, just cuz you know I'm just I just kind of have a bulldog kind of personality that, you know, I will not be moved and that I can do this and I'm going to be tough and I'm I'm going to I'm going to power my way through whatever the problems or or challenges are, right? Listen though. Your own willpower and your own strength is just such a drop in the bucket. It's such a drop in the bucket. And no matter how strong the Israelites were, there's no way in the world that they're gonna cross that, the whole you know, million or two million of them, however many there were. No way they're getting through that on their own. And you and I are all gonna come to this place in our life where you're gonna have to praise God before the breakthrough because you can't do it on your own. What does the New Testament tell us? Don't worry about anything but in everything, pray. And how, how do you pray? With thanksgiving, praising God for the good things that he hasn't even done yet, right? God's faithfulness in your life and in my life is unmatched and worthy of praise all day, every day. And the question for us is, do I have the same attitude? Do I have this attitude that says, God, I won't move without your presence. God I won't start my day without your presence. God, I won't I won't move in life without your presence. I won't I won't make a major decision in life without you leading me. God, I need you and just this desperation of seeking God and praising him before the breakthrough. Too many times we let the 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 barriers in our way just beat us down and and grind us into a pulp and and you know and we think, well, man, I know God wants me to lead my friends to Christ and 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 do XYZ, but ah uh. It's just too big. They, they'll never listen. God, you could never provide for, in the, for this, this problem in my life. Ah. When God is saying, hey, don't worry about anything. But in everything, pray. In everything, worship. In everything, give thanks to God. I need to praise before the breakthrough. When the flood waters are in front of you and you just can't see a way across, it's time to start praising. It's time to send the presence of God ahead of you and let Him lead the way. The third thing that we see in this story is that I have to wait on God. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm gonna praise before the breakthrough, and it's like we worship and we praise, and we're like, okay, God, here we go, I did it, right? How many of you are, it's like, You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to be thankful. And it's like, okay, God, now what? You know, it's easy to worship one day. It's easy to worship two days. Maybe it's easy to worship every day for a week. But man, after you've worshiped, and you've prayed, and you've sought God for a month, or two months, or A couple years and you still don't see that prodigal come home. You still don't see that river cross. You still don't see that barrier removed. You start to lose a little hope. But we see this picture here of waiting on God as a leader. Maybe you've stepped out. Maybe you've started in the right direction. and, And it's like, now what? I've stepped out. God, are you going to really come through for me? God, I went out on this limb. God, I started this business. God, I said I'd lead this life group. God, I said I would do XYZ. God, I told my friend about Christ. Now what? Are you going to really come through for me? You know, this last week, uh, we went to camp, youth camp. And man, I love teenagers. And we had such a great time. But let me tell you what, Monday. We get to camp, everybody's happy, everybody's having a good time, things are going well, we go swimming, you know, we're getting settled in. You know, this is a new camp for us, so it's kind of like, where are we going, what are we doing? And we're just, we're just getting our feet wet. And the first dinner that night, we had KP. Anybody know what KP is? Kitchen Patrol. And so this means after dinner, we got to stick around and wipe all the tables and pick up and sweep. And, and you know, it's, and it's, we're just doing our thing, joking around, having fun all of a sudden we start hearing thunder, we start hearing wind, it gets dark early. And some of you remember last Monday night, it got cray cray, right? And so the wind starts blowing You know, stuff's going crazy and, and, and it's going so bad that they say, hey, everybody stay in here. If you're in here, stay here. If you're in your cabin, stay there. Nobody go outside, nobody go running around being crazy in the rain. Stay put, a few minutes later, power goes out. And it's, all oh, it's kind of funny, you know, and so everybody's hanging out, and they're like, oh, just hold tight, you know, until the storm passes, and everything's going to be fine. And, and so we're playing games, we're joking around around the table, the spirits are still high, and you know, with, with teenagers, it's kind of fun that the power goes out. And you know, we went to camp for a great time, we went to camp to, to meet with Jesus, we went to camp to get closer to God, we, we went camp to camp to, to have fun with each other. And so, comes time for service and the power's still out it's like okay so we go in we have like acoustic service you can barely hear the speaker there's over 600 kids in this gym and and you know it's starting to get a little warm right starting to get a little warm so we get done to service we go back to the rooms and we we you know try to get some sleep and and to be honest with you i was so tired and i was just out right and um, I, that's one of the, the ma- many blessings that God has given me in life is I could just sleep through anything. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I could sleep anywhere through anything and, uh, and I'm just saying hallelujah in my sleep. And so that night I slept pretty good, but I woke up at like 3.30 in the morning and, and the door to our room is wide open because you know, we needed some fresh air. And, and, um, and I look out and there's mattresses all over the concrete pad outside of our dorm. Kids are just, sleeping all over the place outside. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh my goodness, some kids can't sleep. It's because it's just hot and humid. And so the next day we get up and, and we, we thought, I plugged my phone in that night, set it on the thing. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's gonna come back on tonight and my phone's gonna get charged for the morning. And I wake up in the morning and no power. And as many of you know, it was gonna be 97 degrees on Tuesday. The heat index was gonna get up to 111. And so we're just like, any moment, any moment. And so we go throughout our day and everybody's still kind of having fun, telling stories about how they didn't sleep the last night and, and everything's so hot. And and as the day goes on, and we're just waiting for that power to come on, uh, wouldn't you know it, you know, it, the anxiety starts to rise. And the feelings of, is it ever going to come back on, start to get real. And Little by little, all of us, from the oldest to the youngest, start to get more and more miserable. And so the day goes on and we, we, we go through that, that hot afternoon and going to the cafeteria to get food is just miserable. And, and after just 24 hours of it, it's just like, you know, you just get to that breaking point and you're waiting on the power. And so, you know, right, right around dinner time, we're, we're talking. And we're like, do we just take the kids home for the night and, let you know, get, get a good night's sleep and we'll come back in the morning? What do we do? You know, and we're just at, and, and so I kind of had this moment where I'm like, I'm going to go talk to somebody and see, you know, what our options are. And, and so I walk over and I'm just about to talk to one of the guys about, you know, man, we don't know what we're going to do because this is just getting to be a little bit too much. And as I was about to speak, the lights come on. And everybody in the whole camp just starts cheering and running all over the place. And and even though the rest of the night, it was still hot. I mean, the the air conditioning wasn't able to get that gym cool in time for service that night. So we're sitting in that gym just hot. There was just a lifting of the atmosphere. And everybody was just kind of a little bit more positive the rest of the night. Even though it was still so hot. Right? But we were waiting and and man, sometimes the waiting on God can be so miserable. Waiting is no fun. But look what happens here in Joshua 3.8. He said, give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Just take a few steps. And remember, the river's at flood stage, the water is rushing, it's so turbulent that, you know, everybody's like, how's it gonna happen? In Joshua 3.13, it says, The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. I love how it's just, you know, building it up. Hey, this is ark of the Lord, and, and remember, He's the Lord of the whole earth. And as soon as their feet touch the water, And this is Joshua predicting still. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. Now, I can imagine that those that were, you know, had some recollection of crossing the Red Sea or they heard the stories about it, they probably had the same thing in mind. That man just... and maybe you've seen the Charlton Heston movie and the really bad special effects where it's like all of a sudden it's just like. I, I, I went on YouTube this week and watched it because it just like cracked me up. It's like, wow, uh, movies come a long way. Um, but you know, just that, just that, you maybe have that vision of just how it was gonna happen. And so in Joshua 3, 14 through 17, it says, so the people left their camp to cross the Jordan and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season. And the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground, which is just another picture of what we talked about last week that God is gonna go before you and he's gonna come behind you and he's gonna surround you and he's gonna be with you every step of the way. Just a great picture of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so let me just repeat and remind you. They had waited 40 years in the wilderness. They'd wandered around like crazy people. (laughs) They had spent 430 years of slavery in Egypt. And yet God has the audacity to say, just put your feet in the water and wait. Put your feet in the water, and then the water's gonna back up. You know, the water's gonna stand up somewhere upstream. Now, this is telling us what happened. It doesn't tell us that God told them where the water was gonna back up, right? God, and I can only imagine they stepped into that water and they waited. And some of them might have thought to themselves, God, you said the water was gonna stand up like a wall. Because the scripture tells us that the water backed up at Adam. So doing a little research, doing a little digging, looking into the context and looking at the maps, Adam is 18 miles at least, maybe even further. Some scholars say it could have been as far as 30 miles upstream, 30 miles miles, 18 miles, it doesn't really matter at that point, because you know why? I don't think I can see 18 miles. In fact, for a six foot tall person, the horizon is a little more than three miles away, and that's in perfect conditions. Think about that. So they do what God says, they step out, they go first, they're like, okay, we, we, we praise before the breakthrough, we step into the water, and God has the audacity to do what he said he was going to do, but 18 miles away. we can't even see it. can't even see it. And it's not clear how long. You know, we're, we're, we're seeing things based on geography and also, you know, all we know from reading the scripture is that the water backed up there and that it says that the water was cut off and, and it flew and it flowed and, and at some point the, the riverbed became dry and they walked across. So it's not really clear how long. And God could have miraculously, you know, had the water rush a little faster and the riverbed dry up a little faster. He probably did, but it's not explicit. And so I can imagine it's possible that if the water stood up at Adam, it would take some time for the water below that point to flow until the riverbed was dry and they sent the presence of God before them and they stepped into the water and like Joshua said, they just waited. And I can only imagine that it took some time and they had to keep waiting and keep praising and, they, and, and guess what, they had to step in the water and they had to stay there and they had to not move. How many of you have stepped into God's promise for your life, stepped into God's plans for your life and, 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 and you know, maybe God was working but you couldn't see it and so you just jumped ship. Maybe it's like, you. I tried that. I tried serving God. I tried doing what he said. I tried being bold. I tried, I tried, and it didn't work. But could it be? Could it be that you stepped into that water and God was moving and God was working and God was doing something, but you didn't stay in the water long enough to see the, see the harvest or the increase or that miracle? I know I have. I've done it. I've said yes to God, I've been bold, and, and it's like, God, it's hard, it's hard. But what we know from the story is that obviously the the priests stood there with God's presence, with the Ark of the Covenant. They stood there, and the water flowed until the riverbed was dry. They walked across on dry land. They praised before the breakthrough. They sent the priests ahead of them. God's presence went before them. They kept praising. They kept waiting, and God held on to his promise. They held up his promise, and and they crossed into the promised land. Wow. Wow. So, the picture that I see is that we got to go first sometimes. We got to step into that water, even when things look turbulent and things are hard. We got to wait. And sometimes God is going to move and we, we can't even see Him moving. But little by little, that water keeps flowing. Little by little, we're seeing freedom. Little by little, we're seeing progress. Little by little, you know, that, that riverbed becomes dry. But I want to encourage you, church keep going keep waiting keep seeking keep praising god before breakthrough it is so easy sometimes to just give up you know a lot of people these days are facing you know persecution you know standing up for their beliefs and and getting just blindsided by you know people and relationships and and it's just hard it's hard to know when to stay in the water, when to jump, when to when to do what. But God has a promised land for you. And the promised land is called surrender. The promised land is called submitting to Christ. The promised land is called Christ-likeness. The promised land is called, you know, to die is gain, but to be here is to be in Christ. Right? So I just want to encourage you, whatever God has called you to do fathers, dads, however God has called you to lead your family, moms, however God has called you to to be a great mom or or single people, however God has called you to maximize your influence and to work for the call of Christ, keep going. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. I want to encourage you to be people and I want to encourage myself to be a person of worship that praises even when I can't see God moving, even when I can't see the miracle, even when I can't, you know, when when I feel like it's not happening fast enough, to not let years and years and years of slavery or wandering discourage me from proclaiming the greatness of God before the miracle ever even happens. Amen. 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 If you're gonna, if you could bow your heads a moment with me. If you're here this morning and fast forward, you know, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and you know, we've we've seen these few stories of God's faithfulness in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and fulfills all these promises and he becomes the permanent solution for our freedom. He dies on the cross for us. He raises again on the third day. And he says, whosoever believes in me, We'll have eternal life. And so this is the water that you get to step into, the water of trusting Jesus, of putting your faith and your trust in Him. And so if you're here today and you need to say, man, Joe, I'd like to trust a God that can do those kind of miracles. I'd like to trust a God that died for me on the cross. I'd like to trust a God who's not dead, but is alive and wants to take residence in my soul and in my heart and, and, and walk with me and help me be strong and courageous and walk through this life. And if that's you and you say, I wanna accept Jesus as my Lord and my savior, I wanna make him the head of my life. I wanna step into surrender today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'd love to pray. With you, amen, amen, amen. If you're home watching online today, you can respond right there in your living room. Just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. Why are we raising our hand? Because sometimes I just feel like doing something physically just is an awesome sign of saying yes to Jesus. It's a symbol of what's going on inside of you and in your heart. Anyone else just say, wants to say yes to Jesus today? God, I, I want to take a step towards you. I want to put my faith, my trust. I want to surrender my life to you today. Amen. Amen. If you if you if you raised your hand, you can put it down. And if and if you want to accept Christ today, you can pray a prayer just like this. And you don't have to use these exact words, but you need to admit you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead and invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And so you could pray and say, God, I'm messed up. I realize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And today, I just wanna declare that I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again on the third day. Jesus, right now, I invite you into my life to be the Lord of my life, to be the director, to be my leader, to be my guide. And from this point forward, I'm gonna follow you. Today, I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Not someone that just has the title of Christian, but someone who actively follows you. Help me, Jesus, to follow you with all of my heart the rest of the days of my life. Help me to learn and understand your word, which is, the guide for my life. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says that if you accept Christ in that way, that you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And you just stepped into promised land. You just stepped into God's best for your life. And you just began a journey of following after Christ for the rest of the days of your life and putting Jesus first. Amen. It's awesome, let's give those that, that give their hearts and lives to Christ a hand this morning. For the rest of us, we're gonna take just a moment and just let this message ruminate in our hearts a little bit and think about what in what area of my life do I need to praise God before the breakthrough? In what area of my life do I need to stop worrying and just step into the water and wait and worship and believe that God is going to come through for you, Amen. Let's sing the song as we, as we respond. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaicscincinnati.com.